Awesome. So as I said before, my name is Luke. Uh, I serve with the eldership here at Kingdom Life. I'm also a professor at Indiana Wesleyan. And uh, um, it's, I do, um, I'm a designer originally, but being a professor, kind of falling into teaching, um, that's a story for another time. So I'm really pumped to be here tonight with, with you all, virtually, as it were. And um, tonight we're, we're going to be talk, talking about, um, we're continuing our series on abiding and activation. Um, there's our slides, abide and activate. And so we're going to continue that uh, with the topic of hearing God. Um, this is going to be a two-part series with a break in the middle, potentially. All you need to know is this is part one. Part two is coming at some point in the near future. Um, but we're going to talk about it from the place of abiding and activation. Uh, and I'm really pumped to talk about this because this is a uh, highly valued um, things, concept, way of being uh, that I have and has affected my story, which I'm going to talk about that specifically at, on this, in part two. Uh, but uh, Nick, uh, Nicholas asked us to do some homework this week. And if you were all here, it asked if you remembered what it was, but um, you're not here, so I'm just going to tell you. But uh, we were asked to read John 15 uh, as a lot. He said 40 times, but, you know, when Jesus said forgive 70 times seven times, he meant just keep forgiving. So keep reading John 15 is kind of, I think, what the point was. Uh, we were asked to ask the question, what does it mean to float? Um, in the river, essentially, as it were. And um, the third thing, I have forgotten. So it's in my notes over there. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but let's talk about John 15. So in doing my homework this week, reading through John 15 is a great place to start for this topic, for hearing God. Um, And so tonight, I'm going to be hitting a lot of verses, and I'll be reading references, reading some of these passages. So if you have, if you're an, uh, a person who takes notes, if you're not, if you, if you want to grab some sort of note taker, a piece of paper, a pad, your Bible, um, we're going to be jumping around and, and basically doing a big arch through Genesis to Revelation. So um, if you have those, uh, it'd be great if you could just jot down the references, if you want to go hit those back later. Um, I'll read some, I'll reference some as we move forward. So we're gonna start in John 15. And while you're getting your materials, hopefully, um, as specifically in John 15 and then in any of the other references that I um, point out tonight, I want you to focus on keywords that have to do with hearing and listening and speaking. So words like speak and spoken, um, words, commandment, Listen, hear, heard, make known, say, said. Anything that has to do with that process of listening and hearing and conversation, basically like put in your mind to when you hear it or see it, like a little buzzer goes off or something. Because um, those are, those are going to be our key words for tonight in talking through this. So, John 15. Let's jump right in. Um, we'll start in John 15, 1. And I don't know how Nick teaches up here without light, because, man, you cannot see anything without this little lamp. So, all right, John 15. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jump down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this, my fa- by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Abide in his love. And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And we're just going to stop there. Um, a key note, this overall passage, as, as it ends in this section here in verse 17, um, is, is Jesus' um, command or leadership to the disciples to love each other. Um, but we're going to look specifically at um, abiding and how that relates to hearing, hearing God. So if you jump back to verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Um, You are clean because I have already spoken to you, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Um, this, this idea and, and abiding, as it goes on to say there, is really, it's not, uh, none of this is based on our own efforts. It's all about receiving. It's all about receiving his word that he's spoken and receiving in this abiding uh, place, which we're going to get into uh, further. And when I think of abiding, I think of words like remain, rootedness, living from, being connected to. And, and abiding, if you, if, you know, I'm, Nick will probably go into further in, in, in extrapolating this, but abiding for me really has to do with connection. It has to do with sustaining and cultivating and um, living from connection with the Lord. Abide, um, abide in me, uh, be connected. And this idea of a branch being connected to the tree, you know, um, abiding. So jumping down to uh, verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The word abiding in us, remember a word. So at this time, like anytime you see word, uh, unless otherwise noted, it's probably talking about the spoken word either from Jesus or from the Holy Spirit or from God. Um, And my words abide in you, my spoken words that are abiding in you. Um, And so this this encourages this posture of listening and receiving, receiving the word and allowing that to abide in us and being connected to that. And God is glorified 
through this process. And so one of the things about hearing God, and we'll get into this next, the next time, is that um, hearing God is not, uh, it's bigger than us. It's, it always brings glory back to him. Um, and so we'll, we'll dissect that a little bit more um, in part two. But if you jump ahead, again, we're just hitting these little parts here, and I'll, I'll bring it back together. Um, John, let's see, verse, verse nine. Um, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abiding in love. What does that mean? I don't know, but what I would describe it as and what I would, what I would uh, understand it to mean is um, abiding being this idea of connection and love being, um, this, this word for love is agape in the Greek, and, uh, which is unconditional love. Un- abide in my unconditional love, just as, I, just as I have abided in my Father's unconditional love. Um, and part of what I see love in this context is like the truth of who he is and truth of how he relates to us. Um, and that connection, again, it goes back to connection, abiding in his love. Um, and then uh, verse 12 through 15, this is my commandment. Again, spoken. Commandment is a, sp- a speaking term. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. No longer do I call you servants. Uh, This word is actually bond servants, and so the interesting thing about that, and the reason why I point that out, is it's not just a servant who's hired to do something. A bond servant is someone who's committed their life, chosen to commit their life to serving that individual. Um, so it's more than just a hired hand. Um, this, it, it's a choice this, that bondservant has made. So he says, no longer do I call you bondservants because you know, a servant doesn't know what the mind of the father or, the, or, the, or whoever they're working for, they say master in this situation, um, they're just basically told what to do. You do what you're told, and that's it. But he calls his disciples friends and successively us as friends, and I'll get to that in a moment, um, because he has spoken um, what the heart of the Father is to them. And this, this is, um, goes into this idea of, of being a friend of God. Um, and if you jump into, we're going to reference uh, Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse 12 to 14. It says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. So hearing, being a friend of the Lord, first of all, is, is about, um, it's about knowing his heart, not just doing what you're asked, which is a very different kind of context. Um, it's deeper and it's more intimate relationship. And so the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. I never really understood this idea of fearing God. Um, it was kind of one of those concepts where for years I just took, put it on the shelf. I'm like, I don't get this. I'm going to put it on the shelf until um, we come back to it, until it's explained or till whatever. Um, and I heard an explanation by an author, John, uh, John Bevere, 
And he talks about uh, the fear of God is not um, being afraid of God, but being afraid of being disconnected from God. And so that fear of God actually draws us to him versus pushes us away. And so this idea of friendship of the Lord for those who fear him in that context makes a lot more sense um, because uh, it's about relationship. And so ultimately, abiding through all of this, talking about connection, talking about um, listening and receiving, talking about abiding in love, um, hearing, being connected to, being called a friend, all of that um, ends up revolving around relationship. And so what I would suggest is that thriving relationship requires active communication. Let me say that again. Thriving relationship requires active communication. And this is where the hearing God aspect comes into play uh, more specifically, this active communication. Um, And I want to talk about that in more detail from from the um, from a from a meta narrative um, perspective, basically looking at the bigger picture from the beginning of creation to revelation uh, when Christ restores all things to Himself. Um, that narrative, uh, and I'm going to give us some points through that, um, revolves around the fullness of relationship. And in the relationship, as I just mentioned, communication is key. So I can't have like a relationship with Caleb if we're not talking back and forth. And so, um, and it can't be a one-sided thing, and it can't be just a passive thing. It has to be active communication to further and sustain relationship and to have a thriving relationship. All right, so this is where all these verses are going to start coming into play. And I have a mess of notes here, so work with me as I move things around. We're going to start in Genesis, Genesis 2 and 3. And... Um, if you just write that down, I'm gonna just walk us through um, just some, some uh, main points here. Um, but if you wanna make, make a note, this is like point one, Adam and Eve, all right? Point one, Adam and Eve. And we start with Adam and Eve. So God creates, Genesis two, God creates um, Adam and he gives him a purpose and he says, um, you may, verse 16, 216, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So he says this, and then the next paragraph after that talks about Eve being created. So God gives Adam this command. Eve is created after that. So Eve wasn't there when Adam received, based on what we have, Eve wasn't there. Um, jump down to chapter three, the serpent basically uh, tempts Eve and uh, says, surely God didn't say this. Surely this wasn't accurate. Oh, that's not actually true, right? So she responds to that um, by eating the fruit and gives it to Adam. And so in the cool of a garden, so up to this point, Adam and Eve are in full, pure, intended relationship with God. So God creates um, man and woman, humankind, to be in relationship with us and us with him. And up to this point, they were in perfect union with God, perfect relationship. This happens, this disobedience from what God had said. 
speaking voice right there. Um, they had heard, at least Adam had heard, communicated to Eve, um, and they disobeyed that. They, they broke relationship. And so when God is walking with, when he would normally walk with him in the cool of the day, um, Adam and Eve hid, and uh, basically they have an engagement, and then God um, speaks to the serpent um, pun- and punishes him, and then goes on to, the, um, to Eve, and said to the uh, woman, he said, I'll surely multiply your, actually, I'm going to jump ahead, um, talks to Eve, and then talks to Adam, and he speaks to Adam and says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, aka because you have not listened to my voice, because you not listen to what I had told you in the beginning. And so we have this breakdown in communication. God speaks to Adam, Adam speaks to Eve, the serpent speaks to Eve, Eve speaks to Adam, and now God is talking to Adam. And so there's this breakdown in listening to whose voice, whose voice are we listening to, um, is the question. And so when we don't listen to the voice of the Lord and we listen to other voices, this um, breakdown happens. And so we start with this first aspect. And with Adam and Eve, we go from fullness of relationship to broken relationship and loss of connection. So that's the beginning of this big narrative. Um, then we jump, we're going to fast forward ahead to Exodus. So we have Israel. So we are now required to have sacrifices to be connected to God. And so we're jumping ahead to um, Israel and Moses in Exodus uh, 19 and 20, which I'm going to just highlight here. In the moment. In chapter 19, verse uh, 17, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain because they were going to meet God at the base of Mount Sinai. Mount, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Fast forward to chapter 20, verse 18. This is the people's response to that scenario. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. So, with Adam and Eve, we have initial broken relationship and loss of connection. And then with this scenario, the people of Israel are really disturbed by what they're seeing. They're afraid. And they say, basically, to Moses and to God, we don't want to talk to God face to face. We'll talk through you. So you, um, you be our mediator. And so suddenly, we have a further separation and loss of communication. So we have loss of connection through broken relationship. Now we have further separation through loss of communication. And it gets worse. Jump ahead to 1 Samuel 8, verse 4. Um, We have Israel, Samuel, um, and Saul, consequently. And so uh, it says this, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and said to him, Behold, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people 
and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. This is crazy. So not only are we have broken relationship, and Israel's like, we don't want to talk with you face to face anymore, and now we don't want you to lead us directly. So it's further and further, further separation, and so we have loss of leadership at this stage. Broken relationship, loss of communication, loss of leadership. Thankfully, um, Jesus comes to remedy this, but up until this point, this arc through the Old Testament, and we're going to land in Jeremiah, um, and this is multiple times through, through the prophets and through a lot of scripture in the Old Testament, basically can be summed up in this, in this verse um, when Jeremiah uh, is, is talking here. He says, but this, I com- this command I gave them, um, God speaking, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the way that I command you that it may be well with you. So God is saying, obey my voice, obey my voice, obey my voice through the whole arc of the Old Testament and the people of Israel are getting further and further and further away um, from God in relationship. Probably an issue. So God's like, okay, we need to do, deal with this because I'm trying to engage and you're running away. And so he sends Jesus and, and John 1:14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word that was being spoken, 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 took on human form, Christ, and came uh, to us. He pursued us. As we were trying to run away, he, was, he came to us. So, uh, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And furthermore, in John 14, um, talking about this idea of Christ coming, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So God comes to us. We keep pushing him away and breaking connection, but he comes to us. The word becomes flesh. And so Jesus begins this journey of reconciliation. So up in this point, Again, broken relationship, loss of communication, loss of leadership, and Jesus comes, word becomes flesh, and says, no, I'm gonna pursue you, and I'm gonna start the process of reconciliation. And so now we're moving backwards. So suddenly, through Christ, we have restored relationship with God. Not fully, but restored relationship, so we can actually, um, because he was the sacrifice, he fulfilled um, the punishment that we deserve, and so now that has been removed, and we can engage, we have the opportunity to engage with the Lord in relationship, as as Lord had intended. And so we have the restoration of relationship happening. And then, furthermore, Jesus is like, okay, so I came, I did this, um, I'm going away, because it's better for what's to come. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is gonna be, um, is going to serve you in this way. So, um, John 14, Verse 25 through 27. So we're back in John 14, 15, 16 area. Um, John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking. While I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I, live, uh, I live, leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit as a gift. And he says, 
I'm not giving as the world does. Well, how does the world give? The world gives with strings attached all the time. And Jesus says, I'm giving to you unconditionally, um, which is a side note, but it's awesome. And so uh, John 14 um, talks about the Holy Spirit. Part of the Holy Spirit's role will be to teach us all things and to bring remembrance um, to what Jesus has already taught. So we jump ahead to John 16. Jesus, again, is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the truth, when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit's gonna guide us into all truth, and he is not gonna speak on his own. He's gonna listen to the Lord, and then he's gonna speak to us. Um, and so through the Holy Spirit, we now have restored connection. So Jesus restores relationship. Now the Holy Spirit is restoring connection. I'm sorry, communication. We have restored communication. Restored relationship, restored communication. Um, and the beautiful thing about that is, is because the Holy Spirit if you are born again and profess Christ as Lord and Savior, he uh, lives inside of us. And so all of us can partake in this communication with the Lord, which is absolutely beautiful. And so moving ahead to this, this next piece. So before, if you see this pattern here, we have a broken relationship, loss of communication, loss of leadership. Jesus comes, restores uh, relationship, Holy Spirit comes, restores communication. Guess what's next? So, while Jesus is here, he establishes the church through the disciples. Beginning of the disciples, he establishes the church, and this is that third element. And through the establishing of the church, he reestablishes his leadership. So Colossians 1.18, um, just as a quick reference, says that Jesus is the head of the body, the body of Christ, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he is the Lord and leader of the church. So that restoration has been restored. But this, it doesn't stop here, because we're looking ahead um, to the fullness of uh, restoration that Christ is bringing us to. And so in this restoration, not only does he establish the church, but he also brings the kingdom. So we have Matthew 10. Um, Jesus sends out the disciples and says, um, Go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. And goes on with some further details. But the idea is that when Jesus came, he constantly was preaching, repent, the kingdom of, hand, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is at hand, it is here, it is coming. Um, and so he, if there is a kingdom, there has to be a king, and he is that king. So again, restoration of leadership. Like, furthermore, Christ invites the church into this process uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, um, invites us to be ambassadors of Christ into this process of reconciliation. All that it says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of re re reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So he invites us into this ministry of reconciliation, restoring all things to himself. Um, and part of that process 
is hearing his voice. So John 10, 27 says Jesus is talking and he has this whole um, conversation about how he is the good shepherd. And he brings it down to, out of the analogy um, and the parable into a specific statement where he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Restoration of relationship. Restoration of communication. Restoration of leadership. And so, this is all moving towards something. So we're not at full, we're not at full, the fullness of relationship and pureness of relationship yet. We're not um, to that point yet, but that is coming. And this is, this is where um, I want to, to land here. And, and the uh, theologians call this the, the consummation um, when Christ restores all things to himself in this meta-narrative um, storyline, if you look from the beginning to the end of scripture. Um, and I would, I would suggest that in our narrative here, so Christ restores relationship, Holy Spirit um, restores communication, um, Christ through his, through his church restores leadership unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is when Christ is restored in fullness, um, I'm sorry, the body of Christ is stored in fullness with Jesus. Um, and, that's, and we see this in Revelation 19. Um, then I heard, uh, 19 verse 6 through 8, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multiple multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, linen bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And so we've come to this point of consummation and he restores in fullness the body of Christ with Jesus. The head of the body with the body are fully restored in this marriage. And it's beautiful, this, this language of marriage um, because it's, you can't get more connected in, in marriage, you know? Um, and and this, this idea of pureness um, which, is, which is beautiful. And so Christ res- will restore all things to himself and unite all things in himself. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. For in him, this might be Colossians 1, 19 through 20. I might have a typo, but Colossians 1. For in him all of the fullness of God in Christ was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then in Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Christ is restoring all things to himself in this huge narrative. We have the beginning of time. Adam and Eve is created for pure relationship, broken relationship. Israel pushes away and says, and, and breaks communication. Uh, Israel pushes further and breaks uh, leadership. Jesus comes, restores relationship. Holy Spirit restores communication. The church, through Jesus, restores leadership. 
which ends up in the consummation, Christ restoring all things to himself. This is the meta-narrative of relationship throughout Scripture. Um, and why is this important? Well, to have a thriving relationship, you have to have active communication. Wow, Luke, that's amazing. I know, it's crazy. I don't make this stuff up, you know? Um, and the, this is a beautiful thing. Relationship, thriving relationship requires active communication. You see it through the meta-narrative of, of, the, of Scripture, which is so important because sometimes we talk about this topic, a topic, any topic, and we're like, oh yeah, this is, should be important. But we don't always know how it fits into the bigger picture. And when we know how it fits in the big, bigger per- picture, it creates a solid foundation and understanding, and we can build from that, which is why we're talking about it. And this is why we're kind of casting vision for what it is about you know, hearing God. What's that about? And so we see this whole arc where this is important and this is uh, huge. So this is my last point. Hearing God, in light of all of this, and in light of what I'm about to share, um, hearing, I would suggest that hearing God is one of the foundations of a life with Christ. Hearing God is one of the foundations, it's crucial to a life with Christ. Crucial. And, we'll, okay, I have thoughts going a mile a minute. So here we go. Matthew 4, 4. This was um, pointed out by, uh, some of this I'm about to share, was pointed out by um, Pastor Bill Johnson in a teaching some months ago. And I found it to be really encouraging. Um, and so I'm going to talk about it in, in my own way here. But Matthew 4, 4. So Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the desert. And he says, turn these stones to, to bread. And this is Jesus' response. He answered, it is written, man shall niv- not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy. So one of the first few books of the Old Testament, which they had access to and, and would, would have taught. And in that, in, in that context, it actually says, um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that comes from the mouth of God. Everything. It doesn't say word. But Jesus, in the fullness of who he is, um, one could say he interprets this, but it's not, he's actually explaining it to us. He's saying, this is what this means. He says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the word, the Greek word for word in this context is rhema, which means spoken word. Every, we do not live by bread alone, but by every spoken word that comes from the mouth of God. There are two words for, uh, in the Greek for, uh, for word. Um, there's logos and rhema. Logos is uh, spoken word written down, and rhema is spoken word. And uh, if that's wrong, talk with Bill, and he will correct me. Uh, or not wrong, but at least not totally accurate, <laughs> for whatever reason. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. But anyways, we have man cannot live by bread alone, but by every spoken word. So it's crucial. It's crucial. Jump ahead to Matthew 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, this is, uh, this is when we're talking, uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he asks them, who do people say I am? And they give this long list. And then he kind of narrows the question. He's like, who do you say I am? And uh, Peter replies saying, you are the Christ, which means the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I'll, come, I don't know, I'll keep going in a moment. 
so he, sa- he basically says, like, who do you say I am? So he just says, you're the Messiah. I'm sorry, Simon says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus celebrates that, that statement, his response. Like, you got it right. Yes. You couldn't have figured this out on your own. Like, the Father has spoken to you. You have heard the Father. You have heard the Father. You know, Jesus didn't say this. You have heard the Father, right? So then he goes on, verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, which is Petra in Greek, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, there's a lot of interpretation around this verse. I'm not going to get into the, the weeds, um, except for <laughs> this perspective. There's a perspective that this is saying that on Peter, um, God's going to or Christ is going to build the church. I would say that is uh, inaccurate. Um, for a number of reasons, but for this context, he uses uh, Peter and the word for rock are very similar, Petros and Petra. Um, And I think he's making a point here and saying that on this rock, meaning Peter, on this rock of you hearing the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Father, I'm gonna build my church. Okay, why do you say that, Luke? Well, let's jump back to Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 24 and 25, to the parable of the wise man who built his his house on the rock. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, hears the words, remember that language, hears the words, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Hearing God is one of the foundations to a life with Christ. Oh, I just get so excited about this. I'm so pumped. I know I said that a thousand times tonight, because I am. Um, Thank you, Caleb. (laughs) Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I believe that Christ is building his church on his spoken word. And we have his spoken word written down, but he has not stopped speaking. Doesn't mean we have new scripture. That's not what I'm saying. But he wants relationship with us, and so he continues to speak to us. Furthermore, um, and and Bill Johnson makes this note is there's there there are and actually Dallas um, Dallas Willard also makes this note in his book Hearing God is that there are a lot of faithful believers who have served and followed the Lord for 30, 40, 50, 60 years more, you know? And some of those individuals, and this might be your experience too, have felt like, I have never heard God. Not once. That's not my experience. I've never heard him. We're going to get in the weeds in that next, in part two. But um, Bill pointed this out, Bill Johnson, um, that you, he suggests that you have heard the voice of the Lord at least once. At least once. So take courage. Um, Romans ten seventeen. This is where he gets this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. At the point of conversion, at the point of commitment, at the point of, um, of, of being renewed in Christ, you heard, we heard something, 
and we had faith and we believed and we heard and through that that is the moment that um, you have heard God at least once if you are born again you've heard him at least once so take courage in that but we're going to get into the details you probably have heard him a lot more because we often uh, we don't account for, for how much he speaks in different ways, and we're going to talk about it next week. But um, So, hearing God is one of the foundations of a life with Christ. That's where, that's where we're going to start in part two, and I have homework for you too as well. Um, keep reading John 15. We're just going to continue that process. John 15, keep, keep dwelling on what does it mean to abide in Christ, and here's what I'm going to add to that. This is your homework. Um, explore abiding by listening. So what could abiding by listening look like for you? That's the question I want you to sit with and explore. What could abiding in Christ by listening, by the process of listening, look like for you? Explore abiding by listening. That's, that's your homework. And I want to leave us with this. Um, uh, I want to leave with us, I'm going to read a um, selection of, of lyrics from a song called You Will Remain because um, I feel like it, it, it sets the tone for that, for that homework, for this posture moving forward. It says, Oh, to abide in you is to remain in truth. We're tuning our ears to hear the voice of the Father. We're making our home in you, sinking down deep our roots. We're planting our hope within the soil of your heart. For you will remain, despite all change. You will remain. What does it look like to abide by listening in your journey? That's what I want to leave us with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you pursue us. You pursue us, and you want relationship, and you speak to us, God, and you lead us. Lord, would you open our ears to hear your voice, open our minds to understand your word, open our hearts to receive your love, open our eyes to see what you're doing and where you're leading us, Lord. Father, would you, would you lead us in abiding in your word and in your love, Lord? Show us what it could look like to abide by listening this week. And, and even further, Lord. Let this be a hallmark of our community, a hallmark of our, of our walk with you, that we are, we are rooted in your voice, Lord, in hearing your voice. Lord, would you um, bless us this week, Lord, in our homes, in our stories, in our lives, in our quarantining, and all of that, Lord. Um, would you, would you meet us? Would you make us more aware of your presence? Make us more aware of your voice, Lord. We want deeper connection. We want deeper relationship. We want closeness with you, God. And not in closeness from distance, but closeness and intimacy. Father, we love you and we thank you and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.